Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. All right, people, episode 18, baby. Who's that man? Cody Decker joining Will Middlebrooks and myself, Danny Vietti. The man, the myth, and I, I don't say man, myth, legend. A lot of people use that a little too often. This guy literally is the man, myth, legend. Like, I compare this man, okay, he had 11 seasons in the minors, played for the Mexican League. This guy did a cameo for NBC, what, State of Affairs, Cody? Am, am yes, I yes. I, I had a wonderful scene on the TV show State of Affairs. Only lasted one season starring Katherine Heigl, but I did play a mall cop that got blowed up real good. If you want to see that clip, feel free to go to my web, uh, my YouTube channel, Antihero Baseball. You got to do some digging, but you'll find me. And it was basically at the time I was playing for the Padres organization, and I just told them, like, you're welcome. You finally get to watch me die, which you've been trying to kill me for the last <laughs> seven years. Wait, who? which one were you? I'm trying to figure out. On what? In the, on, in the episode? On, on, on Paul Blart. Oh, I wasn't Paul Blart. I was a jacked Paul Blart in this particular episode of State of Affairs. I played a mall cop, mall security oh. cop. Let, let me put it this way. I was a classically trained Stanislavski stage actor growing up. And let's just say <laughs> I knocked this bastard right out of the park. <laughs> I just want to say you have the best speaking voice, I think, on planet Earth. It's natural. I, you know what? It's weird because I, this is literally how he talks on the baseball field. This isn't fake for everyone listening. This isn't fake. Cody, just say, here, here we go, boys. Two outs, two down. He does it in that voice on the yes. field. All the time. I grew up in, I did grow up in radio. So I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I was an avid listener of radio. Uh, it was always my dream to be in radio along with baseball and everything. Of course, my major dream my entire life was to be a big leaguer forever and make millions of dollars and be a big league ma uh, manager and basically die at the age of 50 while managing a game. And that way I could be like, you know, they could make shrines of me in whatever terrible city I was in. That was always my dream. Um, my dream did not go exactly as according to plan, but I am from Los Angeles, California. I grew up in the Mecca of, uh, radio in Los Angeles. It was, it was just every network was a hall of fame radio guys. It was Mark and Brian and KLOS, you know, Rick Dees was on kiss FM. You had Howard Stern, you had uh, Kevin and bean. It was ridiculous. And when I was in high school, I was an avid caller in to the Mark and Brian show to the point where they started having me on and started bringing me in. I started becoming a part of the show and I was 16 years old, 17 years old. They kept continuing that going on all the way through my time at UCLA. And I kind of was just rubbing shoulders with arguably the two best radio announcers of all time and just doing bits with them. So it was kind of awesome that I got to do that and cut my teeth in radio before I even started my professional baseball career. And yeah, this is literally my voice. This is how I talk all the time. It is not very pleasant at home my wife i was gonna say wife like he must talking. love oh god she's like oh my god you ever turn it off shut up like i don't have an off button okay i just uh, hey, you, you knew what you got into can you can you just give me like a hey brooks let's go baby here you go good ab give, give me something I, I need to hear it in your voice well it depends on the situation if brooksy would say hitting right behind me yeah. Uh, Mo and I was saying, let's go, Brooks. Let's do this. It means I just got out and I was mad at myself. So I let's just say I struck out, chased the ball in the dirt. I'm in the dugout. I'll slam my helmet, like punch Listen. it into the helmet rack. And I turn and put my head down. I turn around and see Brooks walking the box. But all right, Brooks, you do something, baby. You got this. <laughs> well, let me just correct this. Number one, I would be batting 
in front of Cody because he would be protecting me, trying to get me fastballs. All right, he's the one with over 200 minor league homers. Okay? That's what I'm saying, dude. You're like a modern day Crash Davis. If Crash Davis, Is Crash and, Davis like, Jewish? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't you dare interrupt me, Brooksy. If Crash <laughs> Davis, if Crash Davis and the Dos Equis guy had a baby, it would be Cody Decker. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I got a lot of cra- here's the thing about the Crash Davis comment. I don't have a problem with it. It's so funny. Like you, you, you mix it up with Twitter trolls all the time. And their first thing is, oh, Crash Davis has got an opinion. You mean the most wise and nuanced character of any sports movie ever made? Yeah, I'll take that. That's very accurate. I'll take my Crash Davis uh, comparison. I did make yeah. it to the show. I got my 20 days. I got my oh, one yeah. start. You did. Uh, we were all watching too. Cause that's well, the best. I was, Play together. I was, I was asking Brooksy. I was like, okay, you hit 200 plus homers. You weren't a high average guy. You hit tanks. Do you think nowadays, if you were, if you were back at 22 years old, say you're in the minors right now, you think you'd be getting a big league call up maybe sooner? Maybe, you know, I, a big portion of my career, you got to understand there was a lot of turnover when I was with the Padres. I, I just more or less was kind of, I wouldn't say a victim. Victim is the wrong word, wrong connotation altogether. But I would say I, I had really poor timing my first seven years of my career. So I got drafted by the Kevin Towers group, uh, you know, and I had a monster year. I I don't want to brag, but there was a guy in my league that was drafted the same year named Mike Trout. And guess who did not win that MVP? Suck it, Trout! You don't get that AZL MVP. It belonged to a 22-year-old senior sign. I don't care if you were 16 at the time. I will hold this (laughs) over your head for the rest of my life. Would you like to see the MVP award? It's right here. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, that's right. that's so right. what you're saying is Cody Decker is greater than Mike Trout, basically. Uh, back in 2009. At that time. At that one, you know, for those two months, I was better than Mike Trout. It did hey, not that's last That's a cool after. story, though. That's a really cool story. That's fact. It's all I have. It's fact. Someone, someone at CBS was showing me they were doing a uh, comparison between Tatis and Trout, and they were looking at uh, first 173 games. And I had one more homer than Trout did through 173. Well, well hey, well, Don't Dan, I'm not going to lie to you. Dan, do you know just how good Will was? I do. Because no, I had like, him on my no. – believe it or not, this is kind of a fun story. I had Brooksy here before we became buddies here. He was actually on my fantasy team in high school. <laughs> okay, so this is 100% true. And I've told people this all the time. Will Middlebrooks might be – and I'm not – and when I say might be, I might be a little bit – you know, I'm trying to throw some – nice, wonderful things to other people. Will Middlebrooks is without question the most talented baseball player I've ever been on the field with. He was maddening because he did everything perfect. He did ev- made it look easy. It was frustrating almost to watch him play because he did everything. He had power, he could run, he could move, he could defend. And he was just unbelievable. He was uh, Will Middlebrooks, uh, uh, Andrew Benatendi, Will Middlebrooks, and like Yoan Moncada are the three most talented people I ever shared a field with. And, and it, it, it's not even close. I'm not wow. sure I deserve to be in that in that conversation, but I really appreciate that. Every time um, you, I think I've seen it like twice on Twitter. You said it, and it always makes my day. Just because well, it's true, you were that's, ridiculous. That's really cool. I appreciate that. The I only re- the only pitfall I would ever say Will had, which is not even a pitfall, he was honestly just too smart. Like the, the worst thing I think a hitter could ever be is smart. Smart I don't hitters. I don't no, no, no. That. I'm telling you, he would, he would always <laughs> no, try to lying. outsmart, you know, he would outsmart the game. Like we all would try to do, because if you're smart and you try to hit, you are not a smart hitter. The best hitters I've ever known are the dumbest human beings I've ever met in my life. 100%. Without question. So C-ball, that was hitball, caveman batting. That's what, what I would give to be able to hit like that. But man, I could, I could turn an 0 for seven into an 0 for 21 real quick. Me too, buddy. With a pulled hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> 
I led the league in injuries most years. Well, now uh, I know you're now I know you're full of shit. Okay, you guys met San Diego. Is, is yeah. that correct in saying that? Okay, good old El Paso Chihuahuas. <laughs> right <laughs> there, that was the thing. Oh yeah, I want to get into pranks because that's what you're known for, right? <laughs> uh, when you're in the minor leagues, you are known for your pranks. You are known for producing them putting them on YouTube. And of course the biggest one of them all was the Jeff Francoeur prank. <laughs> what started and inspired the Jeff Francoeur prank for people that don't know the Jeff Francoeur prank, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, assembled this prank to convince Jeff Francoeur that Jorge Reyes, Reyes, thank you, uh, was deaf. And Jeff Francoeur <laughs> convinced Jeff Francoeur for what, a month? One month, it was the single easiest prank I have ever pulled off because Jeff Francoeur, who I love to death, and by the way, if you're watching him on Braves games, he is absolutely killing it so as an good. analyst. He is so good. But he's just what so I don't, transparent and real, which a lot of guys aren't during games. And he's, He is, and he's honest, and I love it, and he's got a good voice for it. But the one thing about Jeff Francoeur that I wish he was doing during his broadcast, if he gave me the full, real Jeff Francoeur, because the real Jeff Francoeur is well-spoken, but more like, smiling and just nodding at everything in his surround he loves the peripheral at all times and he's like hey man it's a Coors Light poster that's uh <laughs> that's sweet that is everything like he's overly impressed by the dumbest things he'll walk by oh man orange shoes all right it's just him being wanting to be nice to everyone everyone but i will say he uh, he's also responsible for the funniest thing i would ever seen at a clubhouse because at this point jeff rancor hadn't been in triple a for like 10 years and i remember he he grabbed a beer one night in the clubhouse drank the whole thing down and just looked at it dropped it on the floor looked at the beer bottle on the floor and just looked at me he's like yeah someone will get it and he just walked out the room and left someone will get it it's a show that's such a big wait, league. wait it's not <laughs> i'm like hey jeff we're in this we're in the 3a show league man you gotta you gotta pick that up and, and people forget dude jeff Francoeur had one of the best arms i think i've ever seen oh. So much so that we put him on the mound just for the hell of it. And he was sitting there touching 93 guy hadn't pitched since high school. He's just one of those, another one of those guys who's just a freak athlete, you know, just rolls out of bed and does things incredible. But Jeff Rancor, if you know him personally, you know that he's a little bit of a space cadet and it's really easy to convince him of anything. This was not even hard and where it came from, now, Pat Murphy was my manager. Now, Will, you played for Pat, and I love Pat Murphy to death. Don't trust him, but I do love him. Now, I do think uh, – I've told him that many times. Pat, if I had in my phone and I was, like, being held up and I have two numbers and it's my biggest enemy or Pat Murphy, I'm going to call my biggest enemy because maybe I'll get saved. If I call Pat Murphy, there's nothing in it for him. There's no way he's saving me. So I'm just – so <laughs> I remember Pat Murphy – Oh, I said it. You can call you me said later. It. I so so Murph was, uh, you know, Murph and I had already done the prank. We did it the year before. Um, we did it to another player, we, but we didn't have somebody as high profile. We, but it was a prank we had done for multiple years. We did it more than once. So I remember I get this phone call from Murph. He's like, hey, we just signed Jeff Francoeur. He's going to be with us in El Paso. I'm like, that's sweet. I can't wait to play with him. I've always wanted to meet Jeff Francoeur. He's like, hey, Cody, I really think he's, he's primed for the, the deaf guy prank. <laughs> what? He's like, Cody, I just got off the phone with him for 20 minutes. I really think we could do this. And I'm like, there's no manifested. Yeah. And I just looked at him like, there's no way we can do this. He's like, I really think we can. You're going to meet him today. Come to me later. Shook, met him, shook his hand, goes through a whole thing. And he's just like, and then Murph already planted the seed. He nailed it. 
I, it was already set up for me. He walked up and he's like, man, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, let's do this competitive team. You're going to love it here. Great group of guys. I've been, you know, I've been in AAA with the Padres at this point for a decade. So you're going to really like it. You'll get back to the big leagues before you know it. And it'll be great. Oh, and he just goes like, yeah, well, I heard we got a deaf guy. And I just looked at him. I'm like, yeah, we do. We do. Or hey, Reyes. Uh, pitcher at Oregon State. And here's the thing. I gave him his full bio. He could have just Googled this very easily. You could have gone online and like put in Jorge Reyes, who, who's from Washington, played at Oregon State. You could see countless interviews with him talking to people, clearly hearing everyone. Uh, and Jeff didn't understand that this was the easiest prank in the world. He, we kept forgetting the prank was happening. Like that's how long it was going on. And then he would do something absurd to remind us that it was taking place. So one that really comes to mind, it's in the movie. Yeah, no, even better. So we we bring in Jorge Reyes in a big spot in Tacoma, Tacoma, the AAA affiliate for the uh, Seattle Mariners. And Jorge comes in with bases loaded and nobody out. And we're only up by one. And, you know, it's a big moment. He comes in, he strikes out the side and and we are going crazy. Just ape shit in the dugout uh, all over him and, you know, Frenchie for the reason was playing left field that day and the dugouts on the th- first base side. So he didn't hear Jorge saying all the things to the guy's back <laughs> and he gets in the dugout and I'll never forget. He slams his glove at his feet, slaps him on the leg and just immediately goes, great job. Way to go, buddy. And I was laughing. So I immediately helped I, my chest, like encaved, like in my sternum was touching my actual heart. So I sprinted into the, the clubhouse and I started laughing, but I couldn't laugh, couldn't get anything out, couldn't breathe. I was falling on the ground, but I, I wasn't alone because my pitching coach, uh, Mike Cather was already there losing his mind laughing. And that was after that game, I finally got called in the office and Pat Murphy and, and Cather looks at me and he's like, Cody, we have to stop this. This has been going on too long. We have to stop. I'm like, are you sure? Because I think this could last all season. And he's just like, it seriously needs to stop. I said, okay, okay. How are we new? So we start workshopping ideas. And this is after a game, a big game in AAA. And instead of talking about the game, we're workshopping ideas and how we're going to break the news to Jeff Rancor that Jorge Reyes is not hearing impaired. He's perfectly fine. He's right <laughs> over there. And he's heard everything you've said for a month. Um, keep in mind the night before that, uh, Jorge Reyes went to dinner with Jeff Rancor and his wife for three hours <laughs> the commitment from jorge is probably the most underrated aspect of this story does jorge yes. speak good english or no perfect english he went to oregon he's from washington oh that's right like, that's he's right. from he's from seattle like he okay. is he is that was perfect typical english. like judging a book by the cover okay yeah it. no he is so he <laughs> is he is as you know he's american as it gets and it, it's so hilarious because jorge wasn't doing anything that's the most funny part he just wasn't talking when a big group was around. Anytime he saw Jeff, he, he just zipped it. Didn't say a word. Didn't pretend, didn't do an impression of anything. And just Jeff was just creating a world for himself that we just <laughs> let him spin down a hill to the point where we finally, and now I will say Pat Murphy had the most hilarious idea on how we break this to him. I wanted to film it because at this point I started getting interviews with guys and you know what, what all the stupid things Jeff Francoeur has done in the last month. And then- <laughs> Murph had an idea that he wanted to get the ambulance involved and pretend that Jorge Reyes was hitting the head in the outfield during batting practice. And we wanted to all surround him and we talked to him and make sure he's okay. And then he could hear, we wanted Jeff to believe a miracle took place. We wanted him to be like, pretend he got hit in the head. And then we go over there and now Jorge, are you okay? Yes, I am. I can hear you. 
<laughs> and that was the plan. <laughs> And we were all going to see how Jeff responded. Would he buy into this? Would he fall for this? It's, yes. But to me, I was like, he just can't be that stupid. You know how amazing it would have be. been if Tim Tebow was a part of your guys' team and just Tebow just like rubbed Reyes a little bit. <laughs> he could hear. That would have been epic. That, that would have been something special. That would have been really, really, really good. But yeah, so that was the thing. So instead, I convinced Murph that we couldn't pull this off. Also, I was a little afraid that there might be legality issues with bringing in an actual ambulance for a non-medical uh, <laughs> issue. So I convinced him, hey, how about I make finish this film? I'll edit it all night and we'll show it to Jeff tomorrow. And what we'll do is we'll just, we'll say it's a video from Major League Baseball about some new rules and regulations about it, the sliding play. We'll say it's about the sliding play. And uh he, he, we, we put it on we got the cameras everywhere and just all the guys were so ecstatic to break the news to jeff that jorge is not hearing impaired jeff he has been listening to you all month and the best part was he just he as it was going we're all laughing he's like is this is this for real and he turned around just say something say something out loud right now and he just puts his head down just looks up i'm so sorry jeff <laughs> he's like oh my god what uh, and the best part was Frank Corr was the greatest sport of all. He bought us all steaks the next night. It was just, he, he was, he's one of the best teammates I've ever had. I, you're never going to find a single guy that doesn't think Jeff Frank Corr is one of the best guys they've ever shared a clubhouse with. He could have had a handful more contracts if you guys just would have played it out longer. Like if this thing would have lasted 10 years, he could have just, cause you said Murph was perfect candidate. I, like, I feel like they signed Jeff Frank to pull off this prank. It feels that way a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, but I, 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 you know, he was the best and playing for Murph, you know, Murph, if you know, Pat Murphy, you played for Pat Murphy, you, you know what Pat Murphy can bring to a clubhouse. He, he, he allows a bit more than he probably should, but I will say he brings so much energy to that clubhouse and he allows the play, his players to bring a lot of energy to the clubhouse. And that's something I've always really appreciated about Murph and love about Murph. 100%. Um, he's yeah. He's one of those guys that can inspire the least inspired human being in the world. But if you get on his bad side, uh, you're going to know about it. Best, maybe not best, favorite prank that you've ever done that wasn't the Jeff Francoeur prank? Uh, I don't know if, Will, you were here for this. I think you were up in the show for this one. This was in 2015 uh, with the Padres. You, you were in the big leagues at the time. We had, a, we had a video guy who broke dress code. And as, you, as uh, Will actually mentioned before we started this, I used to wear very – eccentric outfits on the road uh yes. let's during the pcl games but it was all based on something between me and pat murphy we got into an argument in 2013 because he made a rule that simply said all you have to do leather shoes collared shirt i said leather shoes collared shirt he said yes it's like great i got a, my collared shirts and i bought some leather pf flyers he said that was the rule leather shoes and he's like those aren't dress shoes you didn't say dress shoes it's in writing right here in the text <laughs> leather shoes and i'm wearing them so we're good i wore them for three months and murph got so fed up that i had outsmarted him that he forced me to take batting practice in them and destroy them on a rainy day and i was so mad about it i said you really want to do this murph he's like yes wear the dress code tomorrow i said okay i happened to be in sacramento there was a place there that had a tire that only quite frankly a stereotypical pimp from 1975 would ever wear i went to this place i spent $130 and I got about eight 
different eccentric, colorful bow ties, ascots, uh, gator shoes that were purple. The ascots I mean, were my favorite, by the way. Oh, <laughs> dude, I love the ascots. You know why? Because they were comfy. Did you know that they're that comfortable? I've yes. never actually worn an ascot. No. Will, you're missing out on true gold. You gotta, you gotta invest in ascots. This is my one, uniform nowadays. Yeah, but eventually, t-shirt and uh, sometimes shorts. In some point, at some point, Will Middlebrooks, you're going to go to a black tie event. And what you're going to need is a black tie that happens to be an ascot. You know why? Because you don't feel it. You have an open shirt. It's honestly, it's like air conditioning. It's wonderful. Plus, you look like Thomas Howell III from Gilligan's Island. And who doesn't want to be that? That's actually a great point. I, I don't know that I have that club in the bag to pull that off. You got the whole, like, Chris Kyle look going. I I don't I don't know if I have. I'm more of a, a, a bland, boring suit and tie guy. But yeah, that's but just you, me. But you have more of the good looks. I have more of the rugged, hey, this guy looks like he might be fun. <laughs> this guy drinks bush light for this, sure. Yeah, this, you either look at me as like, this guy's a party <laughs> animal and drinks butt ice. <laughs> the fact that it happened in Sacramento makes a lot of sense. Uh, where did you guys stay? When we were in Sacramento, we stayed at the Holiday Inn downtown, yeah. uh, right next to Old Town. That was right. uh, that was the go. It was right spot. next to that little bitty hole in the wall casino. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It was, was, like that, the, was that no? You're thinking of, I think you're thinking of Fresno. Uh no, we played at the no. That was the Piccadilly. We stayed at the Piccadilly there too. There was also a time we stayed downtown. You're right. There was, you're right. There was you're that right. Little, yes, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Right. And there was I, a casino I, right next door. And if you walked a little further, there's a really good breakfast spot. It is. Yes, there's a great breakfast spot, but that casino is the saddest place on earth. <laughs> you walk in, you just feel it just cover you in just, oh, you're like, you can't be here long. No, no, no. It's just, uh, it's secondhand smoke. It leads the league in secondhand smoke. Without question. Okay. But the prank that you said that my favorite, well, just so you have the background of all those eccentric outfits. I, uh, we had a video guy that wore literally torn jeans and a tattered shirt on a road trip. Pat Murphy called him in the office and said, Jason made Jason Lane decide what his punishment is going to be. So Jason called me in the office and said, Deck, what do you think we should do to this guy? And I just looked at him like, don't like following dress code, huh? I think I should be allowed to dress him for an entire week, Murph. And he's like, what are you going to put him in? Don't worry about it. And he just goes, it seems like a reasonable thing. Cody, go get to work. Went to a costume shop. I must have bought him the most. One night he was a he was a knight. The next night he was a a, a grown baby. The so he had to wear night, these in the stands while he was charting or like videoing. He had to wear them all day. He had to be in the dugout before the game. He had to be on the line during uh while we were uh, during the national anthem. Uh, I dressed him as I dressed him as so many ridiculous. One day I dressed him as Waldo and I told him this is your goal for the day. You have to just show up in different sections of the stadium throughout the game so we can find you. And it was a blast. It turned out great. It went, happened for a whole week. I dressed him every day. And uh, he probably he loved it. He probably you know, he, loved it. After maybe. the first like two days, he was probably like, this is fun. No, he left. <laughs> I do suggest that. you guys check that out. It is also on my uh, YouTube channel if you want to see that one. I made a film about that as well. I believe I called it Wear It. See, Danny, you think you look at AAA, you're like, man, these guys are grinding. They're not making a lot of money. They're just trying to get to the show or back to the show. No, this is the shit that goes on. Triple <laughs> A is a land of make believe. Hey, it is. It's not all that different than college ball, really. This because you're constantly forced to be in the same room with each other 
so many days of the year. You know what I mean? Like college ball, we're on the same bus for so long. Minor league ball, unless you were like going into like a nice division one college and it's way nicer than triple A. Right. (laughs) I mean, I I played in good and terrible triple A spots. I spent what nine years in triple A. I played, I think I had a tour at every single PCL city at some point. Hey, I saw a picture of you the other day in a Sea Dogs. Yeah. uh, So in 2016, when were you there? 16. 16. Yeah. I got, I got really, I got, how long were you there? Uh, must have been a month and a half. I had a decent time. My average was way down, but I will say that was a very interesting year. It was 2016. I, I uh, signed with the Royals. I, I was the last guy yeah. sent down and it was a heartbreaker because, you know, I just got my first call the year before. I'm like, hey, I got a real shot to make. The I team can do here. this. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I got told the morning of that I made the team. And uh, I flew with the team to Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, and I get to Kansas City and they let me know, hey, we don't want to make a move on the 40 man. So once your car's in the parking lot, once you go drive to Omaha, just get your batch. You'll be up soon. I'm like, OK, you know, that sucks. But, uh, you know, that we're good. I get there and they had a prospect that had to play first base. So I'm kind of iced out, didn't get to play. So they traded me to the Rockies because they, you know, they, they felt bad. They felt like they made a mistake and, you know, they sold me a bag of goods that just wasn't there. And it's, I don't fault them for it. It's just how it kind of worked out. But I went to the Rockies and they just rented me because some guys were hurt. And once Daniel Descalso was healthy, I was, I packed my bags and, and I thought, oh, I'll be a free agent for one hour. Not a big deal. It was May 3rd. And on May 3rd, there are not a lot of easy jobs to come by at that exact moment. So I was at home for a month and almost a half until the Red Sox finally came calling and uh, asked me if I'd be willing to go to double A. And after that many years in triple A and just being in the big leagues and just uh, just barely missing making the major league club, I obviously took the job. And my quote to them was, well, I can't get back to the big leagues from my couch. So, yes, I would gladly go to double A. But the. The thing about it was it was a hell of a gut punch. I know double A is not a, is not a low league. You, you get to the big leagues from double A just as much as you get to the big leagues from triple A. But there was something about it that was just like, man, I'm just taking steps backwards. But I was lucky enough to play for an organization that I loved as much as I did the Boston Red Sox. I, the, I, the two best organizations I say I played for, uh, number one, the Diamondbacks, number two, the Red Sox, just quality, quality people really treat their players exceedingly well. And I, but I, I, at the time was going through um, for the first time in my career, some real mental struggles. I was not handling it well. Uh, my teammates didn't know it. Cause I was kind of put in a position where I, they wanted me to kind of mentor a lot of guys, but I would go home and I would just really, really struggle with this so much. So I was having so much anxiety, just walking up to the batter's box. I, my hands would start to shake. And I'm like, why is my hand, why are my hands shaking? I can hit all these guys just fine. Like it's nothing. I ended up hitting, you know, 19 home runs on the season with, uh, a lot of RBIs, but only about 300 at bats. But it was the first time I walked away from a season really feeling like I, I failed. It was really not a good place for me mentally. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I learned more about baseball. I learned more about myself than I ever did those previous few years. I think I needed that failure year. I think I needed to, it need, I needed to be a better teammate. In fact, I really think it helped me a lot. That's awesome. I thought, I think it's really cool. You pointed out that the two best organizations you played for were the Diamondbacks and the Red Sox when, a lot of the people that are were with the Diamondbacks when you were over there so all started with the Red Sox. Yeah, and it's, it, it is Hazen, 100% true. Amiel, so, yeah, all those guys, like they started in the Red Sox system and worked their way up. So that makes a lot of sense. But as far as the mental stuff goes, man, that stuff is so real. I mean, we've seen the Drew Robinson story too. Like this is – I played with PD and uh, with Drew in uh, Texas in 2017. And he was one of the most like happy-go-lucky – just goofy, very critical of himself, as we all are. Mm-hmm. 
but you just never know, man. So it's like love on your teammates, love on your friends. Like you just don't know. You yeah. Especially. Know. And yeah, you know, like, well, you, I'm sure you played with just as many guys that you dislike that you loved, but I, I still look back at even the guys I disagreed with and the guys that I maybe didn't get along with. And I, I truly do love them and care about them. You know, I, 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 I sure. if they ever needed anything, I hope, I honestly hope they would give me a call because I would yeah. do anything I can to help them. No, you were definitely that teammate. I mean, I think if I could go back, I would do things a little different. You know, 2015, I was in, I was, I was, I was in like a bad place then because I played two good years in Boston. I was hurt all 14, got traded over to San Diego, supposed to be like a restart button, played decent. It was like second on the league in homers. They sent me down. I wasn't hitting well average wise. I was playing shit defense. Like I just wasn't playing well. And, um, got sent down and I did not want to be in AAA. In my mind, I'm like, I'm better than this. I shouldn't be here, but that's more like more disappointed in myself and this and that. And I, I never got called up again. And, and that was a real gut punch for me. <clears throat> and I was, a, I, I was probably a shit teammate those two months that I was there just because I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't w where my feet were and I just was not happy. So that's something I would definitely go back and be like, really take, not take things for granted. Cause I always thought like, I'm going to play forever, you know? And then, you know, shallow fly ball and left snap, crackle, pop. Here I am talking to you guys. Well, I'll tell you, you will. I, I was your teammate during that time. Were you the same guy you were in spring training? Probably not, but it's more than understandable. You had been, you just got sent down. And honestly, I didn't think you deserved to be sent down. Uh, but that's just something where we're talking about being critical with ourselves. You were such a better teammate than you remember yourself being. You were going through such a hard time, you know, personally with that struggle that I think you're just being, a, you were probably extra critical of yourself on how you thought you acted. But I thought you were a fantastic teammate. I loved having you around. I just hated for you that you had to be stuck in AAA with all the scrubs like me. Oh, stop. This has turned into a therapy session. What's the next question? Say, like, I'm going to cry, I think. Become, when did this become Jerry Springer, you know? <laughs> well, we can fight. We can, we can, we can start fighting if you like. I was getting there. These guys were loving up on each other for so long. You know what? Fine. Are uh, we're allowed to cuss? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. F you will. <laughs> I deserve that, That's Cody. What That's what we need. <laughs> quick, hey, quick hitter, you, Cody. Quick hitter. Who's your favorite minor league teammate? Ooh, that is a tough one. But I, there, there's, I have a list of five that was always interchangeable. Uh, John Baker is a guy that immediately comes to mind. John Baker is now the head of player development for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates now. Mm -hmm. um, he was just an unbelievable teammate. Rocky Gale is just oh, always Rocky. The, yes. Just always at the top of that list. I completely love Rocky. And I used to love to mess with, I used to act overly arrogant around Rocky just to see if I can get a rise out of him. And he never would fall. He would never bite. I, and it was my one failure. I always tried. And he's like, I know what you're doing. I said, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm always this asshole. He's like, shut up. And he would walk away. Oh, I'm going to get him. <laughs> um, the other ones that come to mind, Nate Fryman is just, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys you can sit around and, you know, discuss to the writings of Tolstoy with. So it's very, so he's like, like a he, genius, right? And yeah, he's like seven feet tall. Oh God, he's so tall. He's, he's like a, he's like a cell tower. Duke? Was man. he a Duke guy? Yeah, he's a Duke guy. And God, I love him. Nate Fryman, just what, what, a, what an amazing teammate. He's actually working for the, I believe the Indians organization. Okay. Um, other guys that come to mind, Josh Zides up there, uh, Blake Galen, Ty Kelly, they're up there. Jeff Francoeur is up there. I mean, I, I, I am very lucky that I got to play with some really amazing people and really great teammates and a lot of guys that way more talented than me. So it's, it's really, really, I'm, I'm a lucky guy, but based on what I've gotten to do. Now you just, you just named a couple, uh, you just named a couple, uh, 
Israel, team Israel teammates. I did. I did. Ty Kelly, Blake Galen. Those guys are way up there. I, I saw Ty Kelly guys. just hit his, uh, he hit a grand slam the other day. Do you see that? I did. I was he so retired. And then what the Mariners. So he's with Tacoma, I think. And yep. I saw him get hit his first uh, homer as a grand slam the other day. He's such a good dude. What a good great ball guy. Player. Super funny. Literally just does one of those guys that just does everything right. Nothing's flashy. Yes. Nothing, nothing catches your eye until you really watch him play. And he's just a smart baseball player. And I just, I can't get enough of that guy. Yep. You mentioned you grew up doing radio. Uh, you mentioned you grew up with some of the greats. What about nowadays? Who's some of your favorite radio guys on air right now? You know, I still listen to Howard Stern. I'm still, I'm still an absolute Howard Stern mark. I can listen to that guy all day. Whenever I do a long road trip, I usually just pop on Howard Stern. and I listen until I get to my destination. But uh, the other guys that really immediately come to mind, uh, Craig Carton. I'm a big fan of Craig Carton, both, both uh, his work and personally. Um, other, other people that come to mind. Um, I really like Dan Bernstein over in, um, in Chicago. I think he's a really good morning radio guy when it comes to sport and really good opinions with sports. There's a lot of people. I, I think right now, this last year and a half, a lot of people have had a chance to really shine in what they can do in the, in the radio sphere and the podcast sphere. And I think other people are really starting to make serious names for themselves. You two immediately come to mind on, you know, I see your guys stuff on all the time. You see other companies like, uh, like John boy, really, really making changes out there. And I think it's it's really great for the game. Uh, I think momentum, uh, the stuff that they're getting out there with like guys like Eric Sim and Paige Halstead, I think that is really good stuff. I think anything that produces content that gets eyes on baseball in different fashions is just Pitching amazing. Into, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. I just, I love it. I, I think we're in a, I think we're finally at that place where the curtain is finally being pulled back enough that people can really see how these athletes tick and what is actually going into it. Because what's fascinating in baseball right now is what we've learned in the last five years outweighs what we've learned in the previous 25 years. That's where this game is going. And I just, I, I dig it. And people are seeing all the negative aspects of it. They're not really paying attention to the positives of it. And I really think that's a, that's a misstep. You just passed the test. You just said me and Will are, out there on the radar so you basically just pass the test i couldn't that's have all we wanted that's I all we wanted you said answer. i was a good baseball player and that you liked our podcast we can end this now yeah this like, this well, is good. we're, we're good go. we're good Publish. well well dan this I'm, I'm really also lying i'm just trying to get on your next list of important people to follow on baseball twitter i get it, it really hurt wait do i not follow you no but i didn't make the list i didn't even get in the bracket play Oh, the brackets. Oh, Danny. That I didn't a make lot, a Danny. YouTube. I didn't make a YouTube bracket though. There. Hey, there's always next year. Oh, thanks. <laughs> God, that's awesome. You're like the Padres told me all the hey, time. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll work on it. We'll talk. Okay. <laughs> Brooksy, Cody, I got you guys mashed up here in a competition here. So I'm going to, this is what we like to call buy or bullshit. I'm going to give you each. We'll go one by one. I'm going to give you each a name of what could or could not be a analytic in baseball. Okay. You're going to have to tell me whether it is you buy it or it's bullshit. If it's a real stat or if it is a fake stat. So it's not okay. a number. It's like a name. It is going name to be a name. Stat. For example, okay. if I said war, you would want to be, if I asked Brooksy, is bullshit. war a correct stat? And I'll give you the de definition. Like Vietnam or like. <laughs> asshole which war <laughs> all right we got it we got it okay we'll start with our guest because i'm a good host and that's just what i do mm -hmm. buyer bullshit number one weighted runs created plus 
WRC plus WRC plus takes the statistics. You're starting with that. I mean, yes, real. I'm starting easy. I'm going to give you an easy one. Can I, can I at least finish my definition? Do you really need to? It's real. Just ask me about batting average. Now. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, ding, All right. Ding. Wait, Will runs batted in. <laughs> Man, I was so proud of this game. All right, we're <laughs> just getting started. We're just getting started. Just Go. entertain me. Come with- on, come okay. on. Give- All right, real, real, real. I got, one, I got one. I got one. One for one. Brooksy, range runs, RNGR, real or not real. The number of runs above or below average a fielder is determined by how the fielder is able to get two balls hit in his vicinity. So I'm going to get critical here. And if you're actually reading a definition, that means all of, them write- have, all of them have a definition for the record. They could be made up. Yeah. I'm going to go bullvine's catology on that one. Bullshit. No, that is a real stat. Range oh. runs. We're starting easy though, Cody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm the guest, so he's giving me a leg up. I got to. He, he one loves when I do shitty. He, he loves when I lose. Somebody um, asked me on Twitter the other day. I said, "What's your favorite thing about podcasting with Will Middlebrooks?" And I said, "You know, I really love the friendship that we've created. Really good guy, good values, good family." And I thought about it. <laughs> I'm like, Andy tripped Alan Craig, so he's like an easy target for me. <laughs> he loves to shit on me on public on social media. All he does is call. Bro, I've golfed three days in the past three months. I will say you do. I I have noticed quite a few golf photos. I have a lot more golf photos than I'm getting golfing then. Three times in three months. I just happened to post about it because I look good in golf attire. I'll admit it's more daddy daycare than happy Gilmore. I will say I've probably been golfing a lot more than you. I'm doing a lot of golf. You better have. Yeah. Is there, wait, is there, wait, I I don't want to interrupt Danny's game. He's proud of this. Go. Please give me another, or it's Cody's turn, actually. Go ahead. Yeah, round two. This one's for Cody. Expected movement, a stat cast metric that measures the projected movement of a particular pitch, taking into account factors such as weather. Like wind? That, but that'd be useless. Why would you need projected movement? Projected movement means it's you're guessing the movement before it happens. So I'm They have projected velocity, though. You're right. They do. Okay. I'm going to say it's bullshit, though. Perceived velocity. Bullshit. There is yes. no expected movement. He's two for two. You give him the f-ing easiest shit. Wait a second. You just told you, you threw out the thing saying that, well, the vo- there's projected velocity, but that. Yeah, I was trying to even the game <laughs> for the people. Brooksy. No meat- one likes a blowout. Okay, meatball, okay, okay. meatball swing percentage defined as the percentage a hitter swings at an easy pitch to hit thrown right down the middle of the plate. I'm not Italian, but I'm going to say. I'm going to say bullshit. Yeah. Oh, for two. That's a real Me- thing. No way. They literally that can't call be a real. meatball. Look, look on baseballsaving.com. You know, the analytical. It's savant, number one. Can you fucking read? <laughs> <laughs> You're questioning my knowledge. You just said baseball savant. What does it matter? At least I know that meatball swing percentage. <laughs> read a book, Peter Pan. Oh, my God. Hey, either way, you're wrong. Oh, for two. Me that I'm actually not even mad about this because now that I know meatball, someone, one of these nerds behind a computer 
all the brains in the world and they're going to call it meatball percentage. Look and on, honestly, Mike I, Napoli who, leads the league in meatball percentage. Most Italian name and, in the league. And also remember, let's let meatball. I mean, in the pro game, how many people describe an easy pitch as a meatball? This We're not in third grade. It should be called down the dick. Yeah, it's absolutely like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty subjective word to like what is meatball to you like mike trout's meatball is not down the middle it's right blowing in for him everyone has different meatball turkey That's meatballs fine. but it's a real thing bison all right cody's going for three for three and a shutout right now uh Reeve, let's go hey, time out cody you're up big right now don't swing 3-0 or i'm gonna be mad at you oh, all right man i hate it when my managers don't like me swinging 3-0 <laughs> Hey, winning Rusa revised zone rating RZR is the proportion of balls hit into a fielder's zone that he successfully converted into an out. I'm going to say that's real. Well, maybe not the wording, but that stat definitely has There's to be no real. shot. He gave you three real stats. Israel. I'm still going to go with it. I'm going to say it's real. Israel is a real. Boom. Drop the I, did, I didn't give him. I didn't give him three real stats. You're right. Yeah. The you're last right, one was right. fake. Yeah. You're right. You're right. They were just so easy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, Brooksy, this one's for pride, brother. I'm a horseshit loser, by the way. This one's for- I, No, no, I'm not even doing this because I already lost. I'm just kidding. Give it to me. Okay. <laughs> Catching runs allowed. R-A-2-W. Defined by the number of runs above or below average a catcher is defensively, including framing and stolen base attempts. Catching runs allowed. R-A-2-W. Sounds like a Star Wars character. It does sound like Star Wars. I mean, you've given me all real ones that didn't sound real, but I'm I'm gonna stick with my my plan and my approach here and say that's bullshit. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, he got one. Oh my god, I, I would have guessed real. That that sounded like an all-encompassing catcher stat that might have been real. So I I was I would have said hey, real. Hey Cody, how was your R2D2 when you were behind the plate? <laughs> oh, pretty pretty damn good. But I, I'm only mad that Danny didn't say these are the droids you're looking for. <laughs> it was right there. It was right there, Danny. It was. Uh, I will oh, say there god. is there is an RA9W, which is the standard wins above replacement for pitchers, which takes into account runs allowed per nine innings. So it's not actually that far-fetched. It's kind of, a, it's not a real thing for catchers. Real I got a question. <clears throat> Do you think there's a, a stat for stat makers for like stats made per day? Ooh, there should be. There probably is. There's so many, there's so many numbers out there that they, they've got to be changing numbers every day, especially like looking at baseball and where it's going in the gambling sphere. You've got to assume that there is numbers on just about everything, everything new. Cause it, they want to find the easiest way to get consistent money. Absolutely. And you gotta, you, and if you don't see where that's going, that whole gambling aspect of baseball, you guys just aren't paying attention, but I every know sport. you guys are because you guys have discussed it before. Every sport, mm-hmm. every sport is going Vegas. And that's why the A's are going to Vegas. Absolutely. Dude, that's been – anyone that is pretending – this this sham going over to Portland, they're not looking at Portland. They're, the Rio is going to be bulldozed over. That was hey, decided a decade ago. They should put it where the golden nugget is. How, <laughs> how dare you? Downtown you Vegas would... is perfection. Do not touch free. You know what? Street. The A's can probably just play at the old Vegas stadium and it'd be just as good as the Coliseum. <laughs> Have you, by the way, I was just at the new Vegas stadium last week and I played, I did play a series there in 2019. Have you seen that stadium? Pictures only. It looks amazing. It is off the charts. And there is, a, there was an ongoing joke whenever somebody would get called up and like, oh no, sent down to Oakland, huh? 
<laughs> hey, you remember the old one, the big blue wall all the way around? It was I like 900 I, feet to center field. I played there in 17. I played at Cashman Field oh, in 2017 Cashman. when I was with the Mets organization, man. And I am one of the few defenders of Cashman Field, but it's because it's just so old and shitty that yeah, I can't help but like kind of appreciate High it. High school it's more, dugouts. Yeah, oh, horrible. Like, met, like the concrete, like uneven concrete floors in the in the dugouts. Like, and they're four and they're forty yards away from home plate. So if you strike out, you got a long walk with a lot of fans yelling at you. It was just the the bunker. The dugouts weren't even dugouts. They were bunkers for like nuclear testing. And I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like they were that ridiculous. I I can't even describe it when Area I describe it to people. Like, oh, that's not real. No, I swear to God, that's real. And I it, also the dirt came all the way up to your neck in the dugout just outside. So I, we used to dig in and hide shit in the dirt. I think I have like two bats outside that dugout just dug six feet into the ground. I hey, did really you have Did you it. have Wally Backman? I did not have Wally Backman. Oh, However, one of my favorites. Oh God, the things that Wally Backman used to say are ridiculous. But I will say, you were actually here for this. Will in 2015, we had a pregame set list, and the last thing we listened to was a clip of Wally Black, Wally Backman yelling at his team, his team for like 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. Were all, it's one of my favorite YouTube clips of all time. We all stood up. We all said it to each other, and right when it ends, just at the very last line, kick it in the ass, buddy. Go ahead and say whatever. The f- you got to say and we all say it to each other we all just take it out to the field that was how we started every Wally day was the best man and Love he us. went through a pack and a half a game easily easily if you're wondering what minor league baseball is listen to this show i mean this was perfect between brooksy and cody i mean this was this is hey, as good as it gets man this cody was, this i just was. want you to know the interview's over and we you got the job you can be our third host yeah oh well why not let's let's do it i mean Danny pays well. All right. Danny, Danny, I'm not cheap. I'm getting booted on my own show right now. Are you like replacing? No, no, no. We're a third. He's a third. Okay. Like a free amigo. Okay. Like a triad. I love it. Wait. Hey, go check out Cody's YouTube page, Twitter page. He may or may not make my bracket this year. We will discuss it. You have to check her, man. Join us on the Wake and Rake pod. Thanks so much, Cody. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for having me. You guys are the best.